Hello everyone, my name is John Williams and I'm the Chief Executive of the Institute of Leadership and I welcome you to our monthly podcast show, Leadership at the Edge, where we share ideas across the community of leadership practice in every context, everywhere. Each month, I'm joined by senior leaders from around the world to discuss their real-life experiences, to challenge some of the outdated leadership practices and to offer a fresh take on the issues that today's leaders face. We invite you to join the conversation via social media using the hashtag leadership at the edge or to send a voice message via the podcast page on anchor with your questions in this episode we'll be discussing leadership with my very special guest yantana kanprakamroy who is ceo and founder of tapoli an award-winning insurance tech business for smes and freelancers yantana was named insurance woman of the year at the women in finance awards 2021 is listed by Forbes as number six in the top 100 women founders to watch and was named in the Insurance Business UK's Elite Women List 2021 and 2022. And as if that wasn't enough, Yantana was voted one of the most influential women in UK tech for 2022 and was a winner in the UK FinTech Awards 2023. So who better then to discuss leadership in the forthcoming brave new world of tech that we all face? Yantana, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted to be on this podcast. Well, it's absolutely great to have somebody of, of your pedigree and of your experience able to be with us. And, and I'd, I'd, like to, I'd like to start, if I can, by just getting your view on on leadership in general, really. Gallup have just published their State of the Global Workforce report for 2023. And they're saying that whilst employee engagement is going up around the world, it's still low in the West, and this so-called quiet quitting affects more than half of the workforce. How do you think leaders can overcome those issues? Yes, I think this is, you know, like a very topical issues because Mm. of now a lot of businesses are promoting this hybrid work-life balance so people can work from home and therefore you know like this uh, supervisory oversight over staff is also become increasingly more difficult Mm -hmm. and a lot of employees may feel um, disheartened by not Mm -hmm. having the management presence uh, on a daily basis and I think one of the things that uh, leaders can do of course is to build a very strong uh, company culture that would include and empower the individual. Mm-hmm. Even though it's remotely, they can still, you know, like the company presence, they feel like they are part of the family. I think yep. you feel you need to feel connected to the business and the team that you work with. Yep. Um, and then, of course, the second is um, to prioritize employee well-being and make mm-hmm. them feel like they are um, being looked after and right. that they have that sense of community. Mm-hmm. and loyalty to the business. I think that is also um, another important aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, and combine that with communication and feedback that mm-hmm. um, you will need between the employee and employer so that you have that you know, like very good flow of communication so everyone knows what's going on in the business and that mm-hmm. they feel that they are part of it. I think it's extremely important. Um, so these are very good combination that leaders mm-hmm. should thinking of when they um, when they manage remote work workforce 
Right. Okay. Now, and, and actually, just just picking up on that a little bit, if I can, you mentioned the word family earlier on, which is a would be a great culture to be able to develop within an organisation. Uh, of course, you work in a in the world of of tech, and particularly in the world of fintech. Is there uh, is there a sort of common um, existence, common experience of this family culture? in fintech companies because it's not something that we would normally from outside would normally associate with that industry um i think is um it's become more and more essential to be able mm. to build uh, an ecosystem and network uh, certainly mm-hmm. you know, like within um, our line of business where we cannot operate on as a standalone business we need our partners um so therefore you know like um, building that community or the sense of community, um, mm-hmm. both within the company and outside the company, become the essential uh, skills. Yeah. It's nearly like a, a survival skill for our business, really. Right, right. Now, that, that's very interesting because you mentioned their um, survival skills. And, and you are an example of someone, actually, who has overcome quite a lot of challenges from more than one perspective in your career. Uh, can, you, can you give us an idea of where some of those challenges arose and, and how you worked to overcome them and what, perhaps what kind of mindset it takes to meet and overcome the challenges we face? Yes. I think certainly as an entrepreneur, I encounter numerous challenges on a daily basis. Hmm. As you know, you know, like we are also slightly um, on a smaller size uh, with le- relatively limited resources. And that means yep. that uh, most of our team members have to be able to solve our daily problem. Hmm. And our responsibility individually stretches beyond our uh, uh, role. Mm-hmm. And, so, you know, I could be dealing with anything from operational issues to investment and strategic decision making on a yep. daily basis. Um, and I think um, the way I overcome that is to build myself to have a more systematic approach in the way that I um, approach problems and solving problems. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you know, like in order for me to be able to solve most of my problem, I actually need to build um, or I have to be able to build a very strong support network so that I could tap into all the resources there is, whether mm-hmm. internally or external, you know, through advisor, investor and so on, so on. So I think mm-hmm. building relationship is extremely important if you want to build business. Right. Now, in- interesting, because um, that idea of um, building a support network and the, the the word family back to this that you mentioned earlier on. Uh, somebody said to me once, the difference between SMEs and corporates, large corporates, is that whilst large corporates have a culture, SMEs have a personality. And mm. I thought that's quite a nice way to, to look at the difference between the two types of organisation. And what you've just explained, um, it sort of indicates that it's, in this case, your personality that creates the culture within your business. And does that make it easier to create relationships with other organizations because you reflect a personality rather than a big culture? Um, I think absolutely. So when you are small, you um, are relying on your uh, network and ecosystem. Mm-hmm. So um, 
the people skill become more essential. Whereas if you are in a large corporate, you probably have all the resources you need internally. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot less interaction um, with external counterpart, um, but they will have different challenges, which, you know, like we're talking mm -hmm. about uh, the... Um, internal politics that they need to deal with whereas yeah. we have less of internal politics but we have more of this uh, a general you know kind of how do you build network and ecosystem and how mm -hmm. do you align your business with other company that have similar value to you it mm -hmm. has to you know we need to be on the same page in terms of our value um if we have high standard we need mm -hmm. all of our um, ecosystem to be able to upheld our standard as well uh, uh, in, very interesting. And, and uh, how, I suppose, how difficult is it as an ecosystem grows, how difficult is it to, to, to hang on to those values, to spread those values across the whole ecosystem? Because you start to get into quite wide networks there, actually. Yes. Um, is of course, you know, like it's, uh, would increasingly, uh, become more difficult if you have a very large network to be able to validate absolutely everyone and every organization within your network. Yeah. But I think I do believe in um, uh, like-minded attract. So right. very mm -hmm. strong culture and very strong integrity and value, and you can keep that, I think you would automatically attract similar people and organization that believe in similar um uh, uh, beliefs than you mm. yeah. yeah and and i guess also the the other side of that coin is that organizations that don't share values will very quickly recognize that and actually will drift away Absolutely. from the ecosystem Absolutely. yeah, yeah. In, interesting and do you come across um do you come across many organizations that you actively push away that you th where you think actually you know these people don't share our values we don't want to work with them does that sometimes happen um we don't come across that type of organization very often purely mm -hmm. because you know like we have such a strong value internally that um right now only those that believe in what we believe mm -hmm. will approach us um, right and right. I've been, to be honest, we've been in a very lucky position where we don't have to hard sell our services. Most mm -hmm. of our customers come to us through referral as opposed to us, you know, like kind of proactively looking for customer. Mm -hmm. We are quite passive on that perspective. Most customers looking for our, uh, uh, for us to provide mm -hmm. them with our services. So we've been lucky in this aspect. Right. And therefore, there hasn't been uh, that many cases where we mm -hmm. met organization that is have completely different value than what we have and, and i guess that really flags up how important it is to be open and upfront about the values that you should that you yeah. represent in, in the organization so that yeah. people i guess people don't approach you if they don't share them yeah. thank you for that there, there is a, a term that you have used in the past which i i know which I, i'd like to explore a little more deeply and that and that is dehumanized leadership it's a really interesting phrase. Can you explain a little bit what you mean by that and how we can recognize it and maybe avoid it? Um, the dehumanized leadership refer mm. to a leadership style or approach that neglect the human aspect in workplace. Mm. So where, you know, like uh, this happen often in a larger organization where they treat their employee as uh, one of the number as opposed to, you know, like really care about individual. 
Mm-hmm. And, and um, this, of course, something that um, uh, us as a smaller organization don't have problem with because yeah. we literally um, care about, uh, we, pro- we were in the business of providing services. So yeah. our intellectual property, our asset is our people. Mm-hmm. So that's why we really care about their well-being. We we make sure that they are properly trained. We make sure that they share our value mm-hmm. and that they put their our customer first. Um, so we really lead by example internally to be able to, you know, get every one of our employee um, uh, in the right path mm-hmm. and have the, you know, like and create that very strong culture that would promote both diversity inclusivity and also um, excellency right okay and and do you think so you you're role modeling those values inside your organization and and those are picked up by your management team they're role modeling them as well is it possible do you think for an organization to role model that sort of humanized leadership if you like uh, for example, influencing their supply chain and things like this. We think about larger companies. Do you think an organization can do that? Yes, they should do it for commercial mm. reason purposes, if not for right. anything. Um, obviously, you know, like with um, uh, humanized leadership, it would lead to a much more productive and better workforce, uh, right. especially in, you know, like kind of service provider uh, organization mm. where uh, your staff is your asset. You want yep. them to be in top shape. You want them to work, uh, you know, their fullest for the company. And mm-hmm. it can only come from them feeling like they're being cared and looked after. Right. Uh, yes. Uh, it's interesting because I remember once um, somebody saying to me, "How? what's your uh, recruitment policy, John? What do, you, what do you look for? And I said, I, I start by looking for two things. One is intellect. Is the person bright enough to do the job that we want? And the second one is commitment. Yeah. How loyal are they going to be, not just to uh, our organization, but to the values that we represent? And it sounds like you would take the same view in looking for, whether in an employee or indeed perhaps in a in a customer, looking for those values. Do you look yeah. for those values in the customers too? Um, a loyalty, yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. We believe in add value. We want our customer to also um, want to add value to our uh, or. Uh, let me rephrase. We believe in long-term relationship. So right. in order to build long-term relationship, of course, you know, like we need to add value. We need mm-hmm. to ensure that we um, kind of uh, have that um, the strong customer services that we can continue to serve our customers. So all mm-hmm. of these kind of build onto the way we op- uh, operate and serve customer daily. Right, right. Yeah. Good. So now we we've talked a bit about um, not not quite generic things because these things are, they're not intuitive to people. We have to work at, at caring about our people and things like this. So and we all have our own culture within us, our personal culture. We hear a lot about how global leaders need to be able to cope with differing cultures in the workforce. And, and you know this personally because you have worked with many cultures, of course. Uh, how do you think the way that leaders work is affected by their own culture that they bring with them to the role? Um, For most people, probably a lot. And many Mm. of us uh, at leadership level may not have that level of self-awareness to be able to actually know when we are being biased, Mm. 
So mm -hmm. I think that's why the important um, or uh, one of the most important uh, things that leaders have to be able to do is to understand themselves, mm -hmm. to know, you know, self-awareness have to be very high amongst all the leaders mm -hmm. so that they are aware when they most likely going to be biased, which we all have, by the way, because of our, mm -hmm. you know, like kind of uh, cultural and social background, we will have mm -hmm. some um, you know, positive, negative bias to a certain type of people or certain type of situation, we need to be well aware of that so that we can navigate our way through that. Mm -hmm. And then that would really help bringing, you know, like kind of diverse workforce together. Because let's right. face it, um, managing a diverse workforce is much, much harder than managing, you know, like a single uh, cultural mm -hmm. people that... Um, come from the same background and speak the same language and have mm. the same approach and thought. It's much easier um, easier to have that. But on the other hand, on the flip side is you may not get this, you know, kind of diverse um, idea that mm. would lead to uh, innovation. And as yep. a um, company that drive innovation like Tapley, we really need people to have different opinion. And uh, how right. you how do you balance how you do do you make sure that that um, opinion doesn't mm. create conflict and that doesn't um, really um, a, deter people from working together? Right. So that is mm. the key. Um, good leadership can solve conflicts. And, right. and thing, you know, they have to be able to build community, network, solve mm. problems and communicate. This is a key skill from all the leaders that, or for leaders to have. Right. That's that's a really, really interesting point, that the requirement to be able to solve conflict. And it, it sounds, uh, I'll say relatively straightforward, because there are a lot, there's lots of research about problem solving, there's lots of negotiating skills and communication skills, stuff like this. But actually, if we lay over that, what you've just described, uh, that need for diversity in the workforce, not just um, cultural diversity, cognitive diversity and others, actually that complicates the uh, competencies necessary to solve a conflict. Do you think that engaging more and more with diverse workforces can help leaders become more capable? Or are we, are we trapped within our, our personal culture? Can, can we learn sufficiently to be able to do a global leader's job, I guess? I, I think leadership could be, to a certain extent, learned. Mm -hmm. uh, some people already have that leadership, you know, like kind of mindset from the yeah. start. So yeah. it's easier for them to absorb any kind of uh, knowledge and mm -hmm. build on. But other people need more help and support. Mm -hmm. Obviously, the more self-aware, the more willing, um, you know, like you have to mm -hmm. uh, learn new things. And if you're one of those people that have growth mindset and you want mm -hmm. to be the best version of you, um, it wouldn't be hard for you to be fantastic leaders. Mm, right. So the, the will to yeah. learn is clearly a, a, a key leadership competence, I guess, really. Yes. And, and I, you yourself have, have um, operated in um, amongst, I suppose, amongst diversity, if I say that, both in geographical terms and in terms of the cultures you have worked with or, or engaged with and stuff like this. Um, do you see... Do you see changes in yourself that have occurred over the years as a result of that diversity of experience? Um, I think absolutely. I think it made me even more broad-minded. 
I I always thought that I was open minded, but uh-huh. you know, like, um, but when you work for a slightly smaller um, in a smaller role mm-hmm. and doing meat management job, you don't get to see that um, high level. Mm-hmm. You um, your world is small. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, whereas yeah. where I am now, I just felt like I'm tapped into this wealth of knowledge, mm-hmm. and I'm at the top of my peer, learning from my peer who are mm-hmm. more experienced than I am. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I just felt like in the last couple of years, ever since I've been in the CEO role, I have learned tremendous amount of knowledge and wealth that I wouldn't be able to uh, tap into if I w- was not doing what I do. So right. certainly from my perspective, you know, like I'm, I'm very grateful of where I am now. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that I, I am diversity <laughs> yes absolutely yeah. all, uh, nearly uh, i take all most of the diversity box mm-hmm. and therefore i understand this very well and i understand right. the potential conflict um mm-hmm. and how sensitive individuals are depending on their background because i got yeah. friends from all over the world literally in every single culture every yeah. religions i have friends yeah. um, and that kind of help you understand you know okay if uh, this uh, you know, person come from Asia. I have to be mm-hmm. mindful about this type of comments. So you become more um, sensitive and more mm-hmm. empathetic toward um, other people, culture, and the way they behave. Right. I, I, I would love to just pick up on two of the words that you mentioned there. The first one is mindful. And, and actually, I, I think you're absolutely right. We, When we are familiar in a role, we become sort of mindless because we are comfortable, we know what to do and things. And it's vital for us to remain mindful as leaders. One of the reasons for that is another word that you used, which is sensitive, able to sense. And I was going to say, do you allow yourself to make mistakes? And and the reason why I asked that question is because I was talking to a guy once years ago, and I said, I I make loads of mistakes. I'm just human and things. And he thought for a while and he said, you know, I can't remember the last time I made a mistake. And I thought that was an incredible statement from a leader. So do you allow yourself to make mistakes? Yes, um, I allow myself to learn from my mistakes. And in order to learn from mistakes, you have to admit that you make mistakes. Absolutely. (laughs) So I would say that, you know, like mistake will happen. Um, If you don't remember when you last time make mistake, it means you don't recognize those mistakes Mm -hmm. that you make. And you probably go, you know, like go on repeating that mistakes. And that's the, the, um, uh, you know, like the place that you do not want to be. You want to be where when you make mistake, you actually acknowledge, recognize, and you Mm -hmm. are able to apologize to other people who may yep. actually be, you know, disbenefit from your decision and mm. yourself and forgive yourself for making mistakes. But the more important right. thing is to learn from it. The learning right. process is more important than any other things. Right. And that's back to being mindful of what we do. And, exactly. and then, as you said, yeah. learning from it. Yeah. Uh, I, clearly, Yantana, we could talk all day about this because you've got some very, very clear insights here, which is great. Um, a top tip, this is the inevitable top tip question. What would be your top tip for leadership figures wanting to motivate their teams despite the prevailing and apparently permanent climate of uncertainty that we face at the moment? I think what's the most important thing, this is, I can only say for myself, is the sense of purpose. 
mm. I think. Um, and if you can foster that internally, you know, that every one of your team know what they're going to do and they know their role and they know it's important. I think that sense of community and purpose is very important um, and how you foster that internally. Um, and then, of course, clear communication. I think be very clear about what you say and to the point that everyone know exactly what you know like what the company want to achieve what our value what mm. is important so that everyone on is on the same page and this would really help you know individual to feel part of the organization having mm. clear and it had to be uh both ways so it's not about leaders speaking to their employee it's mm. not one way it had to be uh reciprocated and and, mm. and have feedback both ways yep. so that uh, the communication flow um, right. and then encourage collaborations between the group this is like mm -hmm. it would really in increase this um the stickiness so you yeah. don't have, you know high turnover among staff because the worst mm -hmm. thing you can do is for someone of your team to feel isolated and, right. and, and left out especially mm -hmm. when most of us will now be working from home we yeah. need to feel like we are part of a group mm -hmm. um, um and that is uh you know like important and to some extent, um, is going to improve everyone's mental health by having that yeah. um, a, a good working and inclusive environment, both mm -hmm. within the office and outside. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. And recognizing mm -hmm. um, important. Recognizing yep. and celebrate achievement is extremely important. Ah. There are, uh, depending on, you know, like the type of uh, individual, some people... Mm -hmm the recognitions and achievement, they need to feel like they achieved something is so important. Yep. And yep. for those individuals, it's extremely important that we have mm -hmm. these mechanics to be able to highlight best practice and, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, like high achiever within your organization. Right, brilliant, thank you. I, here's a follow-up question, I, I, and I don't even know if I'm allowed to ask this. Do you, do you like to have your achievements celebrated because you've won lots and lots of accolades you are recognized for the um, enormously powerful work that you have done as well as the successful work that you have done um do, do you enjoy that i love it yes ah, great it's a fuel for mm. me it's um it's like um getting a christmas present christmas right. every mm. time I win an award every time I'm being nominated for an award, but it's yeah. not for myself, but it's also the recognition for my team. Yeah. You see, yeah. I feed that back to my team. I tell them how wonderful they are. And it's not me doing it, it's the mm -hmm. team, the whole company doing it. So yeah. we all, you know, like in um, this um, achieving this wonderful recognition together. Well, uh, Yantana, that's absolutely great. And what I really, really like about your answer there is that it gives people permission to, to celebrate their achievements. Too often we are told that we should recognize our mistakes, but never crow about our achievements. Actually, yeah. as you said, it's like getting a Christmas present. We should celebrate when we succeed. That That's yeah. excellent. Well, I, I, I would love to continue this time is against us, of course. So that's it. I, I have to say thank you so much, really for joining us today. I mean, I mean, obviously my special guest, my, my special thanks to our guest, Yantana Kampra Kamroy, and also my thanks to you, the audience, for listening. 
please do join the conversation via social media using the hashtag Leadership at the Edge. And for more of our podcasts and events and lots of other content, visit our website at www.leadership.global, subscribe to the podcast, and mention us to your colleagues. Thank you again to you, Jantana. Thank you. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you so much for having me.